The Blitz Period is a production of BNM Media and brought to you by Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Blitz Period. Jalen Ross here. I know it's been a minute. I know, and I know a lot of you have asked, when's the next podcast and stuff like that? And quite frankly, I haven't been able to answer that question uh, just due to timing and scheduling and stuff. But now we're back and uh, hopefully back into the groove as my season has come to a close. So I have more time to uh, get behind the mic and talk. And it's it's couldn't be better timing because uh, the page has been blowing up the last two weeks uh, and or really last three weeks in regards to uh, the Sooners and their performance on the field. And obviously I would love to talk about it and not just give you some thoughts and do some lives. Cause I know some of you guys missed those. And if you have no idea what I'm talking about when I'm talking about these posts and stuff, then that means you need to go follow me on Instagram at Jalen M Ross for uh, all your Oklahoma football needs. And uh, anyway, let's go ahead and get right into it. We're going to talk a little bit about um, Bedlam. Don't want to harp on it too much games over. It's in the past. Uh, a little bit about the offense, because I think that's been the number one topic of discussion uh, on my account in the last few weeks. And then looking ahead at West Virginia, who comes into town this weekend. So um, just to take a look at Bedlam. Um, interesting game, to say the least. And, you know, look, it's another week where Oklahoma had every opportunity to win. Um, quite frankly, should have put the game away at the beginning of the fourth quarter after an interception and it didn't happen. Um, the offense, look, I, I didn't think the offense was, was, was terrible by any means, but they've got some things to fix and it, it's, you know, here's the deal. The numbers love OU's offense and rightfully so. I mean, they have a top 10, uh, top 10 offense in a multitude of categories. Uh, most notably the, the number eight scoring offense in the country seventh in total offense with nearly 500 yards a game. But it's it's in the moments when you need the most where they just kind of go into a shell. And, you know, look, I know everyone wants to get up, wants me to get on here and say fire Jeff Levy and do all these things. First off, it's not going to happen. I don't think that I, I do think Jeff Levy is the offensive coordinator for Oklahoma in 2024. Like, I don't think they're going to make any drastic changes to the offensive staff. Now, Say they go into these next three games and they just crap the bed. Maybe. Maybe we have a conversation. I don't think that happens because West Virginia doesn't have a defense that just blows you off the map. BYU got destroyed last week by West Virginia. And that TCU is not the same as they were a year ago. Not nearly the same as they were a year ago. So, um you have an opportunity this week to right some wrongs. And, you know, last week, Brent Venables talked about, he, he talked a lot about the the offense and them playing aggressive, which lets you know that they had a come-to-Jesus meeting about uh, what they needed to do. And I thought at the start of the Bedlam game, they were a little bit more aggressive. Dylan Gabriel was taking shots downfield. Uh, he was, you know, he was doing the things that people wanted him to do at Kansas. But on par with not getting help from the Zebras, they just had these little shooting yourself in the foot moments time and time again. You turn the ball over three times, you're not going to win. Uh, you get penalized as many times as they did, you're not going to win. 
it's very clear that they have discipline issues. And that's not saying that the coaches can't get them together. I mean, discipline issues come down to the coaches and the players. And I don't think that that's just on the fault of the players. But here's the thing that kind of trips me up. I mean, you get three false starts. And not only that, two of those false starts, or actually, no, it might have been three. Three of those false starts fall on your wide receivers. The first one happens because Jalil Farouk can't see the signal. And he's kind of like waving his arms, which I get like he's waving his arms up and down trying to find the signal. But there's no awareness from the rest of the offense to know that he doesn't know the play. So they just snap the ball anyway. Second time, I think, is when Drake Stoops. No, second time is when Farouk or one of the receivers lined up in the neutral zone. And then the third time is Drake Stoops just goes offside or go uh, just false starts for no reason. So here's the thing. When you play receiver. They literally teach you this in high school, really, probably even before high school. They teach you that you never listen to the cadence. You always watch the ball. And maybe that's not just receivers. I'm pretty sure they teach the linemen that, too. I don't know because I don't play O-line. But I know for sure they teach receivers. You never listen for the cadence. You always look at the ball and you watch it every time because the quarterback, he might clap. He might do whatever. Dylan Gabriel, he claps. But when you're in a loud environment like Stillwater, you can't hear that. You know, you've got 50,000-something people screaming everything at you. You can't hear claps, so you've got to watch the ball. And they did a poor job at that this week. Uh, Andrew Rame had – I'm not going to knock Andrew Rame up and down. I mean, he he clearly took the game um, to heart. But, you know, his performance wasn't great either. I mean, but they fumbled the ball – they, they, they turned the ball over twice off of two bot snaps. Um, and the one that went to Javante Barnes apparently wasn't even supposed to go to him. So, you know, I don't know what the vision was on that one. But, um, you know, the second one, I'm trying to think back to the second bad snap. Uh, Dylan Gabriel, I think he just simply lost control of the ball. And, uh, was I, I can't remember if it was at the beginning of the drive or not, but um, I know it it happened. So, um, look, offensively, it's just, you know, it, it's not even the, the numbers or anything like that that's the problem. The problem I think that most of you have and that I have with is the, the penalties and, tur- and the turnovers and just the disciplinary problems and the situational football. It's just not there. And they simply lack the ability to, to put, a game away because when you look back in that Kansas game, like, I don't want to harp too much on the past, but when you look back at the Kansas game, you know, you're talking about a moment they're up by one point in the game, two minutes on the clock. They just need one first down to go win to, to really put the icing on the cake and they run the ball the rest of the drive. You know, Billy Bowman gets the interception with 14 at the beginning of the fourth quarter. So, I mean, you're not really going to put the game away. But you're gonna make OSU fight for that win. You're gonna you're up 21-17. You get a pick. He returns it and gets you great field position. But they run the ball four times in a row. That's that's where I think a lot of the frustrations lie for some of you as fans is the play calling. And I look all season. I haven't really been on that train of the play calling sucks because here's the thing. The thing is. That you you can't you can't always look to play calls, but at some points I get them. I mean, when you talk about the Kansas game, it's like 
you know, I don't really understand Jalil Farouk running power like a running back with his frame. I don't really get, you know, the final drive of running the ball as many times as they did. Um, I don't, you know, and then, and when it comes to this, when it comes to this game, um, uh, the last now th- this is the this is one of the ones where I scratched my head a little bit was the final play call on that fourth down on the last drive that Oklahoma had Saturday. Drake Stoops. Now it's fourth and five, by the way. So you just got to get to the sticks. And Drake Stoops didn't run the route. I don't know if it's a thing of like, maybe Stoops just didn't know where he was on the field, which I find hard to believe because as a football player, down and distance is one of the things you have to know, whether you're on offense or defense. And Drake Stoops has played football long enough to know that. It's Bob Stoops' son. Like, I'm pretty sure he knows that. And he knows where he needs to be on the field, on that route. And maybe he did think he ran five yards. I don't know. But I don't really understand that. If that is the case, having him run that route short of the sticks and not past it. Um, I don't really understand why, if, if that is the play call, why run it into the boundary and not to the field where you have more space to work with. If you do get a catch there, he has a chance. He can easily get two yards off of that. He just has to dive or do something. Do something Drake Stoops would do. But. You know, Brent Venables gets on his show last night and he says that he thinks they have a Rolodex of better plays that they could have called on that one. Now, I know a lot of people look at that on Twitter and they think that he's just, you know, putting a fire under Levy's tail. And I don't think that's the case. He's just, you know, after the game, he didn't want to say that because you don't want to seem like you're throwing your OC under the bus you know, 10 minutes after it just happened. You want to, you, you got to be smart about that. And he gets that. And I know that a lot of people are looking at this and they're like, yeah, the guy needs to go. Well, here's the thing. Brent Venables thinks long-term. He's not thinking about, you know, obviously he's thinking about next week and the week after, but he thinks long-term as well. His vision for this program goes beyond one football game and people, you know, the, the logical thing is he's not going to fire the guy because of what comes with that. I know numbers don't matter to a lot of you, but they're they're a top 10 offense, like I said, in a multitude of categories. And the, the areas where Levy needs to improve is clearly in his situational football. That's where he does need to get better. And there's no question about that. And that's that's stuff, something he can work through, you know, in the offseason or whatever the case may be. But like now I, I say that and Again, if they go in these last three games and they have the same issues where, you know, they, they might be moving the ball well, but the rotations look weird. The 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 situational stuff is weird. Maybe they get into a situation against West Virginia. I'll tell you this. If if this offense comes out flat against West Virginia or worst case, they lose this game on Saturday, it's going to get ugly. And I don't mean between Venables and Levy. I mean between the fan base as uglier as it already is, it's going to get even uglier if they go out and they just stink it up this Saturday. Now, I don't think they will. West Virginia doesn't have a defense that just blows me away. But, you know, again, it's and neither did Kansas and neither did Oklahoma State. But at the same time, it's just it's just these little things. Little things make a make a big difference in, in the game of football. And I've heard coaches 
say that all the time. I played for a coach who that's all he said every day to the point where I used to hate hearing it. But it's so true how much little things matter. And now now a penalty isn't really a little thing, but it's just the little things that we look at. Like, you know, with the O-line, it seemed like they found a solid five on Saturday, but that was the complaint against Kansas was you're putting too many guys out there. And I know Brent Venable said that he said it on a show last week, I believe, or maybe it was his press conference. I can't remember, but he said, and one of those things he said that you can't just have five guys there. Now, look, I don't know better than Brent Venable, so I'm not going to, you know, argue with that take, but I kind of disagree there because I don't, I don't feel like you have the proper cohesion and chemistry if you don't have five set in stone starters on your O line, because it's important to have that chemistry. It's important to have that communication. You know, your linemen are, are the smartest people on the field, quite frankly, and they've got to know their jobs. They've got to know what they've got to know everything that's going on with these play calls. And if you've got, you know, it it might get a little weird if Andrew Rames out there and he's got, you know, he's got to deal with having Savion Bird, McCade Matoyer. Uh, and, and, you know, whoever else coming out there next to him and, you know, they're switching off every drive or, you know, you have to go from Walter Rouse to Caden Green to Jacob Sexton and whatever the case may be. It doesn't matter. Now, Caden Green does need to be on the field at all times. Every time he's on the field, good things happen. Uh, Jacob Sexton's had been, been looking great when he stepped out there. So, you know, I, maybe they, it's just when you're at this point in the season, I mean, you're in week, what week, week 10 now. They're just having issues that they shouldn't be having this late in the season, because typically you would talk about, you know, penalty issues and 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 uh, and and, uh, you know, turnover problems, I guess, issues with snaps. You would have those kind of issues early in the season. And they didn't because early in the season, the biggest thing I think that the fans complained about with the offense was the play calling. They didn't like some of the stuff that happened. And like I said, you can't always point to play calling because one of the things is this. Play calling doesn't matter if you beat yourself most of the time, first and foremost. Secondly, at times, it's great play calls, but poor execution. You know, Jeff Levy can't control the fact that Nick Anderson dropped the pass that, that could have been a touchdown. Jeff Levy can't control the, flat, the fact that Jalil Farouk got pushed on, on one play that should have been called a pass interference, and he didn't. Jeff Levy can't control the fact that, you know, the Drake Stoops play was a blatant pass interference. Jeff Levy can't change the fact that, I mean, I don't think it's Jeff Levy's fault that, you know, the receivers got two false start penalties. Even though disciplinary things are are on the coaches as well, as a player, you got to know the cadence. And I know I say you shouldn't listen to the cadence. You got to watch the ball. That's what every coach will tell you. So there are things that, you can't really that you can't really blame him for. Now you might say he's a part of it, but you can't just completely say, "Oh, it's just, just like just like when Mike Stoops was a D coordinator, and every time something went wrong with OU football, people blamed Mike Stoops." Right? I feel like that's the territory we're stepping into with Jeff Levy, and with all the stuff that happened with Levy after the SMU game, I remember like telling someone if if the offense doesn't pick it up the rest of the season, they're probably going to run them out of town and they're getting to that territory, but I have a feeling they will. Um, and I think that, you know, again, the way that Brent Venables talks in these press conferences and on his TV show just makes it seem like, obviously he's addressing these things behind closed doors. He's obviously telling them 
We got to be better at this. We got to be better at that. And he sound pissed off today in his press conference. So, you know, that tells me that he's he's getting into the guys about the penalty issues. I mean, they're the most penalized team in the Big 12. And you can say it's because the, the, the Big 12 is trying to screw them. And maybe it is. But at the same time, penalties happen because of what you do on the field. I mean, you know, false starts and, and offsides and, and holdings, those aren't really you know, the conference trying to screw you. Now, pass interference is sure, you know, unsportsmanlike conducts, maybe. But in most cases, it's self-inflicted. So um, they've obviously got to get better at that stuff. But um, moving past all that, I mean, you know, Dylan Gabriel had a, had a really good game, in my opinion. And I know that there are people out there for some odd reason who want to bench him and they want to see Jackson Arnold starts because he needs reps for next year. And I, I get that. But at the same time, I don't. I don't think he needs to be benched at all. Uh, Gabriel was 26 to 37, 344 yards and a touchdown pass. Uh, Drake Stoops also had a career day. Um that was his first 100-yard career, first 100-yard game in his career, which I had no idea. I thought he could have sworn he had one before that, but that was the first one. Uh, on the defensive side of the ball, Kip Lewis, 15 tackles. He was exceptional. Um, now, it was clear that they missed Danny Stutzman a little bit. I don't know if they win the game if he plays. Um, I mean, they played pretty well. Again, now, you know, they started slow. I mean, the secondary was bad to start the game. Um and Alan Bowman was doing whatever he wanted, and and they got it fixed. I mean, they got a big stop uh, on on Ollie Gordon at the beginning of the third quarter. Um, and like I said, Kip Lewis had a really big game. Jaron Canick, I mean, you know, it's clear Jaron Canick still has a few things to work on. Um, you know, the play that he had where he gave up a first down. I mean, it's just a case of of I guess being in your own head a little too much. I mean, they teach you as linebackers. And they teach you this in high school, so I guarantee Brent Venables is teaching this. That as a linebacker, you're never supposed to peek in the backfield. You get caught peeking is what they always say, and you should never do that. And uh, that's what happened to Kanick on that play. I mean, he drops into his zone. He's got a guy there, and then he turns his head and he looks at the quarterback, which he shouldn't have done. He should have stayed on the guy, kept his eyes there, been in his zone. And if he is looking, that's an easy interception and probably a pick six for the kind of athlete that he is. But anyway, I want to take a look at something that um at the middle eight from this game. So if you don't know what the middle eight is, the middle eight is uh, what Brent Venables calls the middle eight is he says this is where you win the game. And the middle eight is the last four minutes of the first half and the first four minutes of the second half. So taking a look at this, the last four minutes of the first half, Oklahoma's driving offense, sputters, fourth and 14. Zach Schmidt kicks a 51-yard field goal, misses it. Next drive, Oklahoma forces a three and out. That's when they get the big stop on Ollie Gordon. Oh, I'm sorry. No, I'm wrong. They get a three and out on defense to end the first half. Then the offense goes three and out the next play. And then I'm pretty sure that's the next, that's also the same moment where Oklahoma has a timeout, and if they use it, they can get a drive together and go score some points before halftime. And for the second time, they didn't take it. Now, I don't really get that. As an NCAA 14 warrior, I always do it. So, you know, it works. Why not do it? Uh, first four minutes of the second half, Dylan Gabriel throws an interception on offense. And then the next drive, they stuff Ollie Gordon on fourth and one. So, not the best. I mean, besides the besides the stop on Ollie Gore. So the defense has a very good middle eight. The offense doesn't. And that's where you get into the talks of 
where the offense is probably, and who would have thought we'd be saying this, but the offense is sort of becoming the Achilles heel of this team right now. And it's not great, uh, you know, for them, but again, it's issues that you would expect early in the season that they're having right now. And I don't really know what the problem is. And by the way, um, this isn't in the middle eight, but they did score on their next offensive drive, which was the Tommy Walker touchdown with about 10 minutes in the second half. But anyway, um, I'm sorry, uh, nine minutes. I can't remember. It was one or the other. Anyway, um, it's just the little issues that they've had, man. It's like, it's stuff that you, the issues you can't have now. And maybe it's a problem of, you know, it could be a situation where, I mean, I, I've heard a lot of people say this, and I, and I really agree with this. The middle of the season is always the tough part for a lot of teams because you get so tired of doing the same thing over and over. You get tired of practice. You get tired of, of lifting. You get tired of the repetition and just how much, how much you're doing things so often. Not even like you just get tired. You just get mentally and physically worn down from it. And I think that was the big issue last year. I 100% agree with that. But now it's like you beat Texas. The country's talking about you like you're the next big thing. Come out flat against UCF. Come out flat against Kansas. Come out flat against Oklahoma State. Not a great trend. And, you know, I know people are starting to. I mean, I've I've seen the comments about, you know, maybe BV isn't the guy and all this. Look. It's evident this team has made huge strides from a year ago. I mean, they're seven and two right now. And at this point last year, they were. I mean, I, I can't even remember. What was it? Maybe five and four. I don't know. The record was terrible at this point a year ago. They've obviously made some improvements. And. They've got to go into these last three games hot. I mean, you know, you lose one of these next three, you're talking about, I don't know what bowl game you're talking about, but you're not talking about, You're look, I, I feel like this, this is just, let me just stop yapping and, and be honest. I think if I would have told you at this point a year ago that Oklahoma would be seven and two, we'd all be happy. And I definitely would be happy. I mean, I, I beat the drum and said that this team should go. will we'll go 10-2 and two this year, and right now they're at that point. Now, I thought they would lose to Texas. I thought they would lose to BYU. I thought those would be the two losses on their schedule before the season. They've proved me wrong at that point, but with West Virginia coming up, this is a better West Virginia team than last year, and it's a team that beat them last year. Now, quite frankly, they beat them last year because you know the offense wasn't great in that game. Now, the weather was terrible, but the offense wasn't great in that game. That was another situation where they got a little bit screwed by the officiating. But, you know, again, I don't blame refs for for losses. Um, and Zach Schmidt missed a field goal that would have tied it up. So this is a better West Virginia team this year. I mean, a lot of people, including myself, thought that Neil Brown would be on his way out the door um, with the season they had last year. But this is the best team he's had at West Virginia and uh, currently, they're what six and three right now, I believe. They beat the crap out of BYU last week, thirty-seven to seven. They had nearly six hundred total yards of offense in that game. Garrett Green still the quarterback there. He's thrown for fifteen hundred forty-five yards this year and ten touchdowns. CJ Donaldson in the running back room, nearly seven hundred yards and nine touchdowns. And the Devin Carter, their top receiver, four hundred four hundred fourteen yards and only one touchdown on the season. And they've got a really good front. They've got a really good O-line. Um, they're number two in the Big 12 in sacks allowed. 
43rd total offense in the country and 39, 39th scoring offense in the country. So I think it'll be a solid test for this defense um, who has been really good this year. I mean, you know, I, I feel like the last two weeks they've been a little shaky. They're obviously not the same as they were uh, to start the year, but I mean, they've they've carried this team. You know, they they've carried this team through some through some stuff. I mean, they're number two in the country in interceptions. Um, you know, they're, they're really getting back to. I mean, the, the honest truth is this: the last two weeks they've played well enough to win. I mean, they they haven't been great, and I know Brent Venables has gone into his press conferences and and said that the defense did this and the defense did that. But I think in all of our heart of hearts, we know it's not really their fault that Oklahoma's lost the last two weeks and looked the way they have. Uh, and the defenses have kept them in the game, quite frankly. They've been they've been great. And they've made drastic improvements, obviously. And uh, it'll be a solid test for them this week, especially for the D-line. I mean, like I said, Oklahoma, uh, West Virginia has a really experienced O-line. Uh, Garrett Green's a guy who can kill you, not even just with his arm, but with his legs as well. We saw that last season. So containing him is going to be a big deal for this team. Uh, like I said, 567 total yards of offense a week ago. Now, BYU, you know, look, I haven't had a chance to really sit down and watch them, but they don't, they just, they don't scare me. I mean, uh, TCU gave them the business, I'm pretty sure, as well. And uh, obviously, Oklahoma goes up to Provo next week. And we'll talk about that next week. But based off what these teams have done to them, a lot of optimism going into that game. But anyway, um, West Virginia provides a pretty good test for this defense. And it's going to be up to them to contain green. Um, and, and I think with this defense, I mean, you know, penalties have been kind of the, 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 the thing. I mean, we talk about the, the, um, the pass interference on Makari Vickers last week, which was awful. It was a terrible call. Uh, I mean, Vickers really got flagged for getting pushed, which never heard that before, but you know, it happened. Um, like I said, they had their moments, but you know, you talk about this defense and, and this is a point that I've really tried to make. So I was really shocked by this number when I read that they're 75th in total defense right now, which I couldn't believe that, but they are. Um, they were 121st a year ago. So obviously, improvement. We'll talk about next year's defense when next year comes and when the end of the season review comes. But with the strides they've made, I mean, I think, and this is where I kind of get to that point about like where people say that Brent Venables is not the guy, which even though that is still a take for some reason, um, like when you look at this, that's where you're wrong because look at how far they've come. And how far they're going to get. I mean, next year you're talking about potentially Danny Stutzman returning, potentially Billy Bowman returning, which probably doesn't happen, but potentially you've got Peyton Bowen back. You've got Jaron Cannick, Kip Lewis uh, coming, but you've got a big, big core piece of your secondary. And well, I say that, I mean, Woody Washington will be gone, but you've got, you've got a lot of really key pieces on the defensive side of the ball coming back in like guys like Desan McCullough as well. Your D line is where you're going to have to improve a lot. Uh, obviously, they're doing it with David Stone and Danny Okoye and all the guys they're bringing in off the recruiting trail. And then I'm sure they're going to go into the portal and find a guy or two up front to help out there. But the improvements they've made on defense, I mean, those are what that's the glaring thing that you see of like, yeah, this thing's going to be all right. And I think the only thing for Venables that's going to be that's going to kind of I don't want to say define his legacy, but that's going to 
really let us see what's um let us see what's to come of this is what happens to the offense. I mean, again, the offense, you know, my issues with the offense, like I said earlier, I mean, it mainly lies with just the situational stuff. I think the thing is as well, like we people want to see a little bit more creativity. And what that is, I don't know. But I think tempo can't be your only thing that you can kill a team with. Like you look at, you know, and I hate to use this as an example, but you look at USC. And I know, say what you want about Lincoln Riley. I know I've said all I can about him, but that dude's a genius. And he he can he can dang sure coach some offense. And it's about as creative as you can get with the stuff that they've done. I mean, the, the little fake jet sweep flea flicker, whatever play they did against Washington last week was incredible. That's a great play call. More creativity than tempo is something I think we want to see, something I know we want to see, and it's something you're going to have to do because, I mean, we've watched it the last two weeks, and especially with Oklahoma State. When you just go tempo, tempo, tempo all day, you get the little fake injuries and the fake cramps. I mean, Baylor used to do that stuff. I think back to, better yet, Jeff Levy was actually on that staff. Uh, I think Baylor... Or not? No, Baylor did that stuff in the 2015 OU Baylor game. They had a player that did it. Uh, they did it. They did it one time, but I remember it happening. But like now, you just see it constantly when teams match up against Oklahoma. I mean, Cincinnati had it happen a lot early in the season. Like, it's pretty easy to stop the rhythm of this offense just by doing that. So they've got to find some more creativity. Uh, I mean, I didn't even make this point, but I made this point uh, on my thoughts the other day that. You know, more of the QB run game. Like Dylan Gabriel was awesome with that stuff. It worked against Texas, uh, did did really well with it early in the year. Bring that back. Do what you got to do to bring that back. Um, and especially in these last few weeks with these defenses you're getting ready to face. I mean, look, I know people want to sit up and they want to say that, you know, the season's over and all these things. And I, I you know, I, I just I'm just not there because I don't really know what a lot of people were expecting. Now, maybe I say that after the Texas game, I think maybe a few of you were expecting playoffs and i get it they got a big win they looked great played complimentary football i understand but coming into this year what were what were your expectations because if your expectations were nine ten wins you're there you're really really there you're getting there uh you know new year's six bowl you still have a shot at that that's not completely gone big 12 championship may still be there i mean you gotta win out you gotta hope some funky things happen in the rest of the conference you've still got a shot but to me, I just want to know what were the expectations that we had going into this year to look at this and say, well, the season's over. I, I get it. You shouldn't lose to Oklahoma State. You shouldn't lose to Kansas. I understand. Kansas is not a bad football team. I mean, you know, again, should they have won that game? Probably not. And I, I tip my hat to both teams that they've played in the last two weeks because they played great football. I mean, I said it in, I said it at halftime. Oklahoma State has not looked like that all year. They were clearly ready for this game. They came out. They were more prepared than Oklahoma. They were more energized for this game than Oklahoma. And I don't know if that was a thing of where Oklahoma was like, oh, man, this is little brother. I mean, we, you know, and, and I get it. Like Oklahoma State, they they do typically have those moments where, you know, they might come out hot in the game and then they just, they come, they, they, they fall on their faces. You know, and last year's Bedlam game, it seemed like they just didn't even care. Like they played to lose in the game a year ago. But, I think just now at this point in the season, seven and two, 
these last three games are critical. And you've got to beat the living crap out of these last three opponents. I mean, if you struggle with West Virginia, you struggle with BYU, you struggle with TCU, I think a lot of people are going to have more questions. And that's going to leave an offseason with, you know, more. But I, I think just the good thing that you can say is that you've seen improvement. I mean, if they were still in the same situation as a year ago, a year before going to the SEC, yeah, we'd all be screaming and crying and hollering right now. And, you know, people have asked me how I felt after these losses, and it's like, I don't feel like I did a year ago. I mean, we would lose a year. When Oklahoma would lose a year ago, I would be numb. <laughs> you know, like I get it. But now it's just like, well, I mean, I'm not going to feel bad when you beat yourself. And as, sim as simply as it's been as that. I mean, Oklahoma has beaten Oklahoma the last two weeks. And again, I give credit to Kansas and Oklahoma State, two good football teams. Can Oklahoma State found a rhythm even before that game. They were playing better football. But Oklahoma beat themselves. I mean, you talk about Kansas, they couldn't get out of their own way with issues on offense. Talk about Oklahoma State, they had too many penalties, too many turnovers, too many little minuscule issues that got them beat. Get those things fixed this week. I think they will. Uh, great opportunity against West Virginia, a West Virginia team that's not bad. So you've got an opportunity to beat a really good opponent at home this week under the lights uh, in the Unity uniform. So it should be a really good atmosphere. But like I said, if they lose this game, Lord, give me strength because I don't know what I'm going to do. But uh, thank you guys for tuning in uh, for the first time. And I don't even know how long it's been since I've done one. I know before the season. Uh, but like I said, not not a better time to hop on than now and uh, and get behind a mic and say a few things. Um, I appreciate you guys tuning in. Make sure you guys like and leave a review. If you hated it, hey, let me know. I can always get better, right? So uh, let us know how you feel. Make sure you share the podcast with your friends, your family, your uncles, your cousins, aunties, moms, dads, whoever the case may be. Let your pastor know about the pod and let him come listen to it because uh, I'm not going to cuss people out on here. So um, make sure that y'all do that. This is the more like common reserved OU podcast when, you know, a lot of them, well, I say OU podcast, really college football podcast in general. A lot of these guys, like they, they, and I respect them. I respect them. They got a lot of cojones to, 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 to do the things they do and they're they're the best at their jobs but um this is just more of a place where i mean i just want to be kind of cool calm and reserved on how i feel about things so uh you know again make sure y'all share and do all those things go follow the instagram account Jalen m ross uh also known as center sports daily and keep up with all the news and things that are going on there uh that's usually where i put a lot of my post game thoughts and uh, mainly I did that because of not having a podcast to do. But since we seem to be back on track with this, uh, I should be able to do this from here on out. Now, we're going to hope so. Not going to promise anything, but we'll see how things go there. So uh, thank you all once again. Beat West Virginia, and I'll see you all next week. Hopefully. Boom sooner. Thank you for listening to The Blitz Period with Jalen Ross, presented by BNM Media and Sooners360.com. Make sure to go follow Jalen at Sooner Sports Daily on Instagram and at underscore Jalen Ross on Twitter.